0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pro Football Doc Podcast, post week seven. We'll definitely review some of the top issues of the season so far. Uh, Our big topic today is injuries beget injuries, and I'll explain that in detail. Then we'll go through some quick stories, good stories, fun stories, about agents texting me in-game, Coach Rivera and his status, and we'll talk about a follow-up of home field advantage, and then we'll get to the right and wrongs. Not a great week this week uh, in terms of uh, injury. Well, the injuries were okay, but the outcomes of games. uh, It was our first losing week on the outkick picks, and we can talk about that. Now look, when you talk about the good, you gotta talk about the bad, right? And so uh, transparent is the way to go. Uh, Talking about the misses in some ways are always more educational than talking about the uh, hits any case, injuries beget injuries. What do I mean by that? Why is it that do we see the Dallas Cowboys all of a sudden all injured uh, in terms of their offensive line? Uh, with Tyrone Smith, Cam Irving, his backup, uh, Frederick opting out, Joe Looney, Zach Martin with concussion, Brandon Knight underwent knee surgery as well, A.L. Collins out, uh, injury reserve and out for the season. And then, you know, we've talked about the Eagles and what do they have? They've had Andre Dillard and then Jason Peters and then Isaac Samalo uh, and uh, Jason Kelsey with a hip but actually is okay now. Uh, Brandon Brooks out. Travis, uh, sorry, Jason Peters was his replacement before you flip to the left side. And, uh, and then you look at uh, Lane Johnson and his backup, uh, Jake Driscoll. Why do we get all of these injuries at certain spots. Uh, having been an NFL head team position for 17 years, there's a couple of reasons I think this happens. Is some of it bad luck? Of course it is. Some of it is bad luck. It's just the way that it happens. But some of it actually made sense. And once you get injuries in one spot, whether it's at wide receiver for the Eagles, whether it's at linebacker for the Cowboys, whether it's And I'm not just banging on the Eagles and Cowboys. I can promise it's not just their medical staff. Oh, they're doing something wrong. Injuries beget injuries for a number of reasons. And I'm focusing on the Eagles and Cowboys a little bit because they play each other in almost the injury bowl this upcoming week here. But I've seen this before, especially within position groups. We've talked about COVID going through position groups, but injuries are really the things that commonly go through position groups. Let's talk about offensive line injuries as the example, be it the Eagles or the Cowboys. And I'm not picking on them as a team, I'm just using them as an example, and I'm not picking on players. Look, everyone who is in the NFL is an unbelievable superior athlete compared to the rest of the world. I mean, I see some of the little league parents and flag football parents, you know, my seven now eight-year-old plays, And I see a lot of them with delusions of, you know, they're gonna get this scholarship or they're gonna play here or what have you. And uh, let me tell you, the reality is in my son's career, he'll be lucky to play with one guy in his whole career up through, through, through kindergarten and sports through high school, one guy who makes it to the pros. That's just the numbers. So uh, I have full mad respect for everybody. So when I talk about backups here, please don't get mad at me. I have much respect for anyone who's a professional athlete. But let me tell you something, backups are a backup for a reason. Now some step up and become very good starters when they get the chance, but in general, you don't have a front line and a second line that's equivalent. Because that second line guy was that good, he could go to one of the other 31 teams and get paid more and get on there. So there's a tiering that automatically happens, right? Even in college, you don't have, you know 10 seniors on your offensive line who all could start because if that were the case they would see that and they would start to transfer right they'd go to another school the guy that's the second string would go to another school like that happened to joe burrow and look at what he did so i'm not knocking anybody but it's a talent issue so when frontline talent gets injured here's what typically happens the backup talent is a backup for a reason In football, one of the things they tell you is, always keep your feet moving. Why? You don't wanna be stuck planted into the ground. A, you're more powerful if you keep moving. B, if you're able to keep moving, you're winning. So what happens to the guy who's anchored in? We've all probably played a game of tug of war. The winning side is churning their legs and pulling actively. The losing side is trying to, hunker down into the sand and get low and just dig in and hang on for dear life. Well the superior offensive lineman is moving his feet, and if he's moving his feet, A, he's usually moving the defender, and B, he's not being pushed back, and C, he doesn't have his foot planted in the ground, which is the most vulnerable spot to get injured when someone falls on you from the side, which is a common way offensive linemen get injured. So that's one of the things. The superior guy is moving his feet usually, where the backup who's trying to hang on a little bit for dear life because they're blocking Aaron Donald or whoever this week can only do what they can do. And how do injuries beget injuries? Another way is if you're a backup, or, and I'm not gonna pick on Connor Williams, he's a top left guard, left guard, but he's still not 100% for the Cowboys from his ACL. And I remember a game with Aaron, with Aaron Donald where he just got thrown to the side by Aaron Donald and the Rams, because Aaron Donald's Aaron Donald. And guess what? Connor Williams is not 100% yet on his right knee ACL. That's how his right leg didn't plant and withstand the blow from Aaron Donald, and he got thrown. Now in that play, No one got hurt, thankfully, but it was like bowling pins. He got knocked over and the center got knocked over. Thankfully, no one was hurt on that play. But you get my point, that injuries beget injuries. In addition to which, the backups, no matter what positions you are, play. Who plays special teams? The backups. If you're a backup wide receiver and you're not getting any wide receiver reps, let's say for the Eagles, what do you do? You're concentrating on special teams or a backup DB or linebacker or you name it. Why? Because that's how you made the, the team. And that's your job week in, week out. Now, what happens when there's an injury in front of you? Does your special teams coach said, "Don't worry, I'll take you off all special teams duty because now you're starting or getting more reps." No, the special teams coach is saying, "I still need you, and I still need good special teams." So he's not going to suffer and bring up a, a, and start coaching a new guy. So you end up doing double, triple duty, and you end up getting very tired. You're not used to all the reps. You're getting more reps and you're getting more reps than if you were a quote true starter because you have to do all the special team stuff. And guess what? You take a lot more reps in practice. Why? Because your position is short. There's less rest. So you come in more tired. Okay, let's back up a second. The bat, when, once injuries happen, less potentially dominant or skilled guys come in. Those same guys take more reps in practice. Those same guys are still doing double duty in special teams and field goal and punt, and whatever else they have. Those same guys are now doing it in games and in practices with extra reps, and they're not used to those reps. Is it any wonder that injuries beget injuries, not only for technique? So that's what I've always found in the NFL. So once it starts happening to your team, it's not unusual. And how do you stop it? Well, I mean, uh, you know, using some analytics and training tools and you know, uh, using the tracking devices and quite honestly, your athletic trainer, your team physician speaking up and coaches watching out for this phenomenon. And of course, you know, GM signing better players, right? But that, it is what it is in the limited world that's out there. And in this year, it may be more pronounced because let's say you are, let's say your O-line group or whatever group is a little bit fatigued, the whole team still has to practice. You can't just get a guy off the street because you got the whole COVID protocol. Yes, the practice squad's bigger, but not by that much. And so this is where injuries beget injuries. And it's bad luck, no question. That's still a big component of it. And some of it is players, right? I mean, are you signing a lot of veterans at backup spots that really can't take the reps? Are you signing veterans that are maybe older and more injury prone, so to speak, even though I hate that word, so to speak? They've got more injury history. You know, Did he come in with a bad knee and now the bad knee flared up, for example? Is it expected? But these are all the reasons where the bottom line is it's not a surprise. Injuries beget injuries in a bad luck way, in a real way, in a talent way, in a scheme way, et cetera. And let me tell you, a healthy offensive lineman with two healthy offensive linemen next to him is way less likely to get injured than a healthy offensive lineman with two backups next to him. A, because he's trying to do more to cover, but also because of, you know, the wash and getting thrown and and also just maybe potentially being a little bit out of position and and more worried about scheme and who's picking up the blitz than just doing your job of blocking the guy in front of you. So too much on your plate is a factor too. So that's a summary of what we talk about. Injuries beget injuries. Let's move on to a couple fun little stories. Let's talk about Coach Rivera, Ron Rivera. We wrote almost two months ago at OutKick here, Ron Rivera will n- need our prayers uh, at the website here, OutKick article that I'm showing you. Uh, Ron Rivera will need our prayers with the squamous cell carcinoma diagnosis. And we talk about in here how with a it's located and it's gone to a lymph node. And when it's gone to a lymph node, that means it's st- st- at least stage three out of stage four cancer which is why we predicted that he's gonna get some significant treatment, that it's a skin cancer, but since it's, quote, spread, metastasized, the good news is it's curable, but it required uh, treatment, chemotherapy. We talked about it here. And that's what makes him tired. Look, Coach is a friend. Love him and his wife, Stephanie. It's awesome that he's finished his chemo treatments, he's finished his cancer treatment, he's got to ring that curing cancer bell. And thankfully, his team is in contention, good for him. And he's not made a big deal out of this, but this was a bigger deal than he and his family let on, as we talked about. He underwent chemo during the season. Look at his picture now and look at his, besides energy level, look at him now versus this summer. He's lost a lot of weight. I mean, uh, and almost muscle mass, too. I mean, it's chemotherapy. Um, It makes you tired. People have heard about the halftime IVs. But congratulations. The worst is behind behind him. He and his family have tackled this like he tackles everything in life and beat it. That's what it seems like. And that's one of the best news of the week that I can hear. Um, Agent texting me. I won't say who just because it's not fair to do that. But I find it curious what we've been doing is, I've developed some relationships with agents over my time in the league, but uh, also just through the Twitter world. And it's great to have met a lot of you too. And I think agents have started to follow me, a good number of them. uh, And I've often heard that, oh, you're telling me about my client or I'm with my client and you're telling me, I had one agent tell me once that, I remember it was Marshawn Lynch, and I said he's gonna end up needing uh, 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 you know, hernia surgery. Not necessarily that example, but I've heard other people tell me that they heard it from me first and whatever. But I had a first this week. During the game, I had an agent text me. I didn't even know who it was. It didn't come up on my phone, and he's asked me about a player. And I was like, huh, who is this? And I said, hey, who is this? And it turned out to be an agent, and he was asking me about a player that got hurt during the game on TV. And of course he couldn't talk to his player because there's no phones on the sideline. So he texted me (laughs) and uh, thankfully his player was not seriously hurt, it was relatively mild. And I was happy to be able to help him out. But that was just a funny first as an anecdote. So we provide information uh, at Twitter and at the website, but I guess sometimes with agents too. And one thing I have to say to agents out there, I didn't like agents when I was in the NFL. They seem to always be the meddling, you know, uh, uh, almost busybody family member that would drive medical professionals crazy. But I get their role and what they're trying to do, and they're looking out for their agents and i have, like, worked with some more and got to know some better and not seen them as the enemy. They're good people, too. They're just looking out for their clients, and there's nothing wrong with that. You, you, you want a good agent doing that for you. And the final thing we'll talk about here before we go to the right and wrongs, we'll talk about where I was wrong this week in the whole deal, is we'll talk a little about a home field advantage. Uh, We talked last week about home field advantage, the, quote, new home field advantage with the COVID protocols. And sure enough, the four other starters, obviously Trent Brown tested positive, but the four other starters for the Raiders were able to play in the offensive line, even though they did lose the game. And Jonathan Abram was not. Why? Because the four players in the offensive line, the other starters that didn't test positive, that were high risk, got put on the list on October 19th. So they clear on the 24th, and the game was on October 25th. Whereas Jonathan Abram got put on the list on October 20th, he wouldn't clear till after the 25th, which is why he didn't play in the game. But if the Raiders run, fly with the team on Saturday. So let me show you this tweet here from my guy, Tom Pelissero. And uh, interesting that he tweeted, also notable here, he's talking about the NFL protocols, the new protocols, et cetera, high-risk cloaks, contacts. And, and Tom has been done a great job on the COVID stuff. Also notable here, players cannot travel with the team if they're still in high-risk COVID protocol. But the club can't elect to transport them via private transportation, reducing the COVID home field advantage that we talked about. So uh, hopefully we're uh, advancing and helping the NFL process what's going on here. (laughs) They probably saw this as a potential issue. They probably saw it. And Tom saw it and addressed it with the NFL. So if your owner, if the Raiders were playing on the road, Mark Davis could have chartered a plane to get his uh, other four linemen there. Although Mark Davis is famous for flying on Southwest. Uh, At least that's the urban legend around and he's being a regular guy. But that's just a fun footnote to uh, the uh, home field advantage in the COVID era uh, when there are no or few fans. So let's go to the uh, bad week a little bit. We'll go to the right and wrongs a little bit here. The, good news, the bad news is, on the outkick picks, we were a dreadful one in four. The good news is, we're still 23-11-1 through seven weeks of the season. The injury mismatches this week were not as great, but since we were in a routine of picking five games, I just picked the five games that had the biggest injury, quote, mismatches. But uh, uh, it, of course, Uh, didn't necessarily um, uh, play out that way. First of all, you know, uh, the Packers played very well, even though they had five new starters not play this week. And uh, the uh, 49ers, without their two safeties, did just fine against the Patriots. But Dallas was a mess and low-scoring game, so we got that one. But let's talk about a few of these things here. Deshaun Jackson, okay, high ankle sprain and more. That's okay. I'm definitely not counting Odell Beckham as one that was correct. Aaron Jones being out, we talked about Landon Collins' Achilles. We talked about Keenan Allen did return and do do very well with his back. Dominated. Sam Darnold returned. Baker Mayfield did better. Michael Thomas didn't play as we thought. Um, let's go to the. I'd rather talk about the incorrect ones. Joe Mixon was a surprise. I thought he would play. He did not. And now he said to be week to week, so that's tough. I thought Bakhtiari would make it back. Obviously, it's something more for him not to make it back. And uh, those were two of the uh, uh, bigger ones. Uh, but like I said, in the end, it was a bad uh, uh, prognosticating week. But one of the new features that we're going to do at the website, profootballdoc.com, and we haven't figured out what to call it yet, whether it's Market making, market timing, uh, uh, shifting spreads—I'm open to it. But just like Priceline.com, look—it was predictable to me how some of the line shifts moved. For example, the Eagles. The Eagles opened last week at minus seven, and we knew that Miles Sanders and Zach Ertz would be be out, and the line moved all the way to minus three and a half. So if you liked the Eagles that week, you should wait to the news of getting to three and a half. If you liked the Giants last week, you should have jumped on plus seven. And then when it was at three, three and a half, we knew that or predicted that Deshaun Jackson and, and Lane Johnson would actually return to play on that Thursday night game. And off that news, late week before Thursday, the line moved up to four and a half. That's gonna be one of the things that we're gonna try and predict for everybody. So once again, I'm not a tout. I'm not trying to make these picks. I'm just giving you injury information. And if you market time it, I think you can get more. For example, if you are an Eagles fan and they're playing the Cowboys, I believe they opened at, uh, let me see here. They opened at uh, minus three. And let me tell you, when news if it's still available at your place of legal wagering when Andy Dalton gets announced out that lines gonna move (laughs) so if you like the Eagles get on now if you like the Cowboys uh, wait you're gonna get a better number and so that's gonna be some of the features and things that we're gonna do with the website and uh, you know another one is the Bengals and we talk about it in the injury rundown some Potentially they've got three new offensive linemen that might be out this week. And if you, I don't even know who the Bengals play right now, but if you like the Bengals, wait, you're going to get a better line. If you like the uh, uh, opponents, then go ahead and get on it now, and you'll get a better line and a better number. And between that and some of the fantasy things, that's how uh, we hope to... Uh, help everyone out with our injury information to win and enjoy uh, what you're doing on football during the week. All right, that's uh, the feature segment of the Pro Football Doc podcast. Obviously, we have the injury rundown and a very good beast of the week this week in part two of the uh, podcast. Once again, subscribe at all the usual places, and thanks. Welcome to the Injury Rundown portion of the Pro Football Doc Podcast post-week 7. We'll go through position by position, and uh, then we will conclude with another very popular segment, Beast of the Week, where we'll go through some video as well. But let's get started here with quarterbacks. Of course, a lot of the conversation is on uh, Andy Dalton and his concussion look I get everyone was horrified by that uh, helmet flew off and it was a late hit he'd started his slide and it was to the head but word is that uh, John Bostick was ejected from the game will not be suspended will be fined probably because he's not a her- habitual offender and it's not a good look, and and we've talked about here on the podcast that concussions have almost fallen off our radar screen, even with COVID, but even though it still very much should be on everyone's radar screen. I think why the Andy Dalton hit was so shocking was that uh, we hadn't seen one like that in a while. And a couple years ago, if you remember, the Vontez Burfix and the James Harrison's and the whatever, it almost seemed routine Uh, every week we'd have something like that so kudos to the NFL and players I agree with Bostic not being uh, suspended assuming he's a first-time offender Look, slowed down and we could actually go over it here but slowed down it is horrific but in real time it's kind of a bang-bang play and Andy Dalton obviously as he slides lowers his head lowers the target area so it wasn't exactly like Bostick was head hunting in the end he did but sure he needs to lay off even if he already starts his launch and try and turn or try and do something instead of following through with the blow so that's why he got ejected but as far as Andy Dalton is concerned you can't judge a concussion by the hit but Let me tell you, the way that he seemed out of it, it, the symptoms of his concussion weren't momentary, which means statistically he's unlikely to play next week. So, uh, and with the COVID protocols, very hard to get a new quarterback in there. uh, And heck, learn your scheme. Even if you can get him in there today. So uh, I think the Cowboys have no choice but to stand pat. There are two other quarterbacks on the roster. Baker Mayfield started out a little shaky. Heck, he threw the interception that led to Odell Beckham's knee injury, and we'll cover that in a minute here. But then he rallied his team and did quite well. And uh, as we talked about, his rib and or AC were clearly much better this week. And another week forward, I think he's going to be fine. Uh, Another uh, interesting thing this last week is Tyrod Taylor finally cleared, uh, able to return. Obviously, Justin Herbert's team now in in job. But uh, that makes me wonder how big that air leak punctured lung was. If it was a tiny one, two weeks he could have returned. It's been over four weeks. And so it might've been bigger than we thought, and maybe even a little bit of a collapse. The good news, it doesn't matter. Good recovery, and he should be 100%. So let's get to running backs next here. Quarterback list is relatively short. Running backs list gets longer, and a huge list for wide receivers. And then uh, we'll go from there, tight ends and O-line. So the most talked about one might be Jeff Wilson Jr., the third running back. Really, you know, Raheem Mostert is out with a high ankle and isn't gonna be back anytime soon. Tevin Coleman is eligible to return, but I'm not sure when he's gonna make it back from his injury. Jarek McKinnon clearly isn't 100% yet from his knee injury that's lingered two years. So that, here comes Jeff Wilson Jr. off a calf, does extremely well, and on his third touchdown, uh, uh, injures high ankle injury, as we uh, talked about on Twitter, et cetera. Uh, he's gonna miss some time. Uh, the question is how much. Uh, he's gonna miss time, I think it's to Michael Hasties turn now for the 49ers. The question is how long will it be his turn? Uh, Let's see. uh, Joe Mixon was a surprise inactive and more surprising he said to be week to week. So that's something to watch. Chris Carson had a Frank sprain and uh, uh, midfoot sprain is how it was announced. (coughs) Excuse me. I promise more allergies than anything else. chris carson midfoot sprain was still on the sideline it happened on the interception for uh that buddha baker had where he was run down by dk metcalf it happened early it wasn't really on camera but i think it's mild but even mild and getting an mri i think likely to uh, need to miss some time unfortunately Kenyon drake ankle didn't get a clean view carted off in potential tears with a towel over his head don't judge by the reaction, judge by the injury. Sometimes just disappointed, even in a short stint out. X rays were negative, as expected, but we didn't get a clean view of the uh, injury in a pile at the line. So we'll have to await the MRI. But it sounds like Drake will miss a little bit of time, but not necessarily a ton for sure. We'll have to see. Uh, Philip Lindsay. Uh, was doing very well lots of carries yardage He was the number one guy at least for this week until he got a concussion hit to the side of the head in the temple and uh, we'll have to see when he comes back aaron jones did not play as expected and we talked about it on friday that didn't expect him to play through uh partly because calf injuries linger and they can re-aggravate even though it's mild And the Packers are typically conservative. He was said to be a game-time decision, and we said on Friday definitively that he wasn't playing, and he did not. We'll have to follow this week. It's not a guarantee that he plays again this week. Uh, Helps him. The the Cardinals have a bye next, and and hopefully that'll be enough for him. Miles Sanders with his uh, knee sprain, no structural damage. Uh, has a chance to return this week, but not a guarantee for the Eagles. Uh, Mark Ingram, interesting, as he said to from the week before to have a uh, uh, Ravens on a bye, obviously, uh, have a mid to high ankle sprain. I'm not sure what mid is. It's either high or low, basketball or high ankle mid, but in any case, um, we'll have to follow that and see. Uh, Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler, Chubb's getting closer. Eckler, Anthony Lynn said, not close yet at all. So uh, I think our prediction is gonna come true there. Let's move on to wide receivers now. Wide receivers, lots of injuries. The big news is Odell Beckham's ACL tear has been confirmed. We ran through it on game day video. I'm not gonna take credit for getting it right because I didn't make the firm call. I just said suspicion. And uh, probably didn't explain it correctly as his right leg comes down at the 28 yard line. Uh, He kind of takes a false or misstep, and that leg gives out, causing the extra weight to shift onto the left ankle that sort of sticks in the turf and moves, and then subsequently ACL tear. But in any case, his season is unfortunately done. Uh, Debo Samuel with a hamstring injury. Uh, he's going to miss time for the 49ers. I mean, he really was coming into his own after the fifth metatarsal fracture this off-season. We said from the beginning it might take him six weeks to get there. He probably was getting there at week five or even a little sooner, but now, uh, week seven with a hamstring, he's going to miss some time. The hope is he can avoid injured reserve the three weeks. Jalen Rieger. Uh, has been activated to the 21-day practice window. Uh, we said all along when, when the Eagles and other reporters were saying eight weeks or more, I thought he'd be back by six, and uh, he's going to be closer under that. It's a week two uh, injury, so he's coming on six weeks right now. and uh, But there is a week nine bye, so I think it's a reasonable shot that Rieger plays this week if not for sure after the bye. But I think there's a reasonable shot that the Eagles will get some wide receiver help. Uh, Deshaun Jackson will not be back. High ankle sprain with an avulsion type fracture will not be back soon anyways. Jalen Rieger will easily beat him back. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey is still a bit of a mystery with his foot and then maybe calf. Uh, Steelers, Deontay Johnson a scare at coming back from his back injury. Uh, He got his foot caught on a tackle late in the fourth quarter, didn't return, but this seems to be mild. Uh, More of a hyperplantar flexion injury, a capsular sprain and or bruise to the ankle. Uh, He got his ankle and foot caught, but it's not a high ankle sprain. I think Deontay Johnson will be fine for the Steelers next week. The only undefeated team, the Steelers. Good for them. Uh, Brashard Perriman with a concussion for the Jets, the Jets continue to struggle, and Keel Harry for the Patriots, they're really struggling with a concussion. Uh, Michael Thomas with a hamstring issue missed this week's game as expected. At best, 50-50 for this next week. Uh, If you had me to lean, i lean towards him missing again, but we'll see. The good news is the high ankle sprain should be fine. Julio Jones continues to play through. You saw him on the sidelines getting stretched and, and helped out as he limped through the game, but still effective. Emmanuel Sanders missed this week due to COVID. Let me tell you something. He tested positive for COVID is the word. At least that was some reported by some. And if that's the case, not only did he miss this week with Michael Thomas being out, but... Emmanuel Sanders is going to miss next week too, uh, and uh, along with possibly Michael Thomas. So that's something uh, to get a jump on uh, for you uh, gamblers out there. Sammy Watkins with his hamstring didn't play, might be another week. Russell Gage was a surprise. I thought he got a mild MCL, and those are usually hard for receivers to return with, and he actually did return. So hopefully that bodes well for Russell Gage. Moving on to tight ends, uh, Virgil Green with the Chargers. uh, Back up to Hunter Henry. Significant ankle sprain. Low ankle sprain on the touchdown. Basketball type inversion ankle sprain. But severe enough where I see him going on injured reserve for at least three weeks. So low ankle sprains can be bad as well as high ankle sprains. Uh, This one was a bad one for Virgil Green. Uh, He's going to miss at least the three weeks and head to injured reserve is my belief. Let's see, uh, Austin Hooper had appendicitis late week. He missed this week's game. I think he's missing next week, too, even if it's done laparoscopically, even if it's done before the appendix burst, so to speak. Uh, That's a tough turnaround. Uh, I think he's missing next week as well. Uh, Tyler Eifert out with his neck. Uh, Zach Hertz is a ways from coming back. Dallas Goddard is getting closer, but maybe not quite yet. Let's move on to offensive linemen. For offensive line, David Bakhtiari was a little bit of a surprise no-go for me, um, but hopefully he'll be back this next week. Uh, Joe uh, Thune, mild inversion left ankle sprain, so he should be fine this uh, uh, coming up week, I believe. Lane Johnson, uh, MCL in addition to his ankle issue, same side. So when it's doubled-up injuries, it's hard to come back from. Jason Peters, um, you know, uh, he's getting close with his toe, but the Eagles may use the week nine bye before he comes back. Trent Brown with the COVID. Um, Trent Brown with the COVID uh, will likely miss a second week as well. But he did get his offensive line back around him or without him. Um, something to watch out for uh, on the Bengals. Three offensive linemen injured. Jonah Williams left tackle with the neck. Uh, Bobby Hart right tackle with a knee issue. Trey Hopkins center with a concussion. So that's something to watch going forward with the Bengals for sure. Zach Martin didn't play due to concussion. And the Dallas Cowboys are manhandled. Their offensive line is injured. But Martin should come back this week. Mitchell Schwartz right tackle for the Chiefs missed this week, unknown when he'll come back. Trey Turner and Brian Balaga for the Chargers are out again with the groin in the back, respectively. Russell Okung, former Charger, now with the Panthers, uh, out with a calf and will miss some time. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Everyone keeps asking about Jamal Williams. you don't have to wait for the practice window to open on Jamal Williams because he was never put on injured reserve. So he can start and get going anytime. He was never put on IR, indicating he was always a little bit close. But the way he plays sideline to sideline is why he's been out. I think he's getting close now. Maybe he has a chance this week. Uh, safety Jonathan Abrams for the Raiders. Uh, out with COVID uh, precautions. Because he got put on the list on October 20th, He didn't have the five days to clear before the game, so that's why he was ruled out. But assuming he doesn't test positive, he'll be back this week for sure. Melvin Ingram of the Chargers just got back off of injured reserve for his other knee and then hyperextended his right knee. He finished the game, but I'm worried of a Kittle-like bone bruise injury where you finish the game and then end up missing some time. So we'll have to be careful with Melvin Ingram there. Landon Collins is really bad news for the Washington football team. It's been confirmed as an Achilles tear, as we thought, in-game. So uh, that's bad news. Surgery and his season is done for the essentially almost first-place Washington football team. Uh, uh, two wins is, puts you at the top. Uh, I think the Eagles are a half game up due to the tie. And, uh, but the Washington football team has the tiebreaker there. Josh Norman uh, with the Bills hamstring missed a week. Marcus Trufant missed his second week. Uh, Darnell Savage uh, with his quad. Kevin King, both with the Packers with their quad, missed some time. Miles Jack with the ankle, it's been a multi-week issue, but missed this week. Bradley Roby's knee and ankle injury for the Texans seems relatively minor and should be able to return. So let's move on to, uh, that's our quick rundown, a relatively good week. Right now, um, everyone talks about injuries, injuries, but if we take ACLs, for example, I think it's uh, high 20s, about 27 through week seven, and that's less than the last five years average. So at least ACLs aren't, uh, aren't any higher. All right, let's move on and conclude this segment of the podcast with the beast of the week here. And uh, got a nice one here. And we'll go through some video here. I'm going to make it. Leighton Vander Esch is the beast of the week here. So if you look at Leighton Vander Esch coming up to make the tackle, and you, it's slow motion here, really shoulders the player, makes a good tackle there, and you can see he's feels it a little bit here. But why is Leighton Van Der Esch the beast of the week? Well, I mean, he is a beast of a football player, no question about it. But that's the shoulder he broke, the collarbone he broke six weeks ago. And we talk about when you return, sometimes you favor the uh, the uh, that side. But he's not favoring that left side at all. He is taking Logan Thomas on with that left shoulder, that left clavicle, the plate and screws get an assist there. But that's why you do the surgery so that you can return. So, and now that he's taken this big hit uh, and done fine, you watch, he's gonna be even more of a beast. But, and the Cowboys need it, right? Um, and uh, at least Sean Lee is back, but this is why Leighton Vanderesh Esch is our beast of the week. Six weeks from, an, from a clavicle, fracture and leading with that shoulder uh, like it was nothing. All right, thank you everybody. Uh, Thanks for listening to the Pro Football Doc podcast and the Injury Rundown. Please subscribe at all the usual places and uh, tell your friends and uh, check out profootballdoc.com and let me know what you think. We're going to have some new features uh, coming up this week.